Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I am an exercise physiologist and a nutrition professor of about a dozen years, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. Hey, this is Phil Stevens. I'm a strength coach, powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, and I run USSF. And this is John Mike. I'm finishing up my doctorate in exercise phys. I'm a team member and columnist for EliteFTS.com, and I write for major fitness and bodybuilding magazines. Yes, you do. <laughs> hey, we have some news today, everybody, and then we're going to do our topic of the day, which is about doses. Just doses, doses, doses of everything. Um, well, at least select things, because sometimes dosing different supplements and uh, medications and nutrients gets confusing. So we're going to touch on some of that. Uh, but first, a little bit of news here. I'm going to start with something that's a little bit left field maybe, but uh, I got this through labroots.com and livescience.com. These are great little uh, you know, news outlets. But Strength and muscle sport news. It says uh, bladder drug may activate brown fat and burn calories. So it's always interesting when a drug that gets used for one thing you know, ends up with like this off-label use, you know, or they noticed one of the side effects. Someone says, someone clever says, hey, that could be a main effect, you know. So mm-hmm. it says a drug used to treat people with overactive bladder can uh, also boost the calorie-burning capacity of the body's brown fat, new findings show. And, and of course, and then it goes on about how brown fat actually burns calories. You know, it's not like white fat that's like a gas tank for calories, you know, for triglycerides or white fat is also hormonally active in some negative ways, you know, with inflammatory, you know, substances and whatnot. But it says the medication, uh, I've never seen this before, Mirabegron, M-I-R-A-B-E-G-R-O-N, Mirabegron, works by activating beta-3 adrenaline receptors. It says both brown and white fat cells as well as bladder tissue have these receptors, and they've been trying to develop a drug that activates these receptors for over two decades. Um, the idea would be that stimulating these receptors might burn, you know, stored fat in white adipose tissue um, somehow through this brown fat mechanism, the good brown fat mechanism. Um, it says many of the experimental medications tested, although uh, have cardiovascular side effects. Uh, and I've been looking at the beta-3 stuff for a long time. So listeners, for example, you'll... People will take something like clenbuterol, uh, a lot of strength athletes. It makes you very, very strong, and it makes you lose a whole lot of body fat. That's very selective on beta-2 adrenaline receptors, right, what are called adrenergic receptors. Um, things like ephedrine, which, you know, ephedra as an herb is has been all but abandoned, but you can people still go buy this stuff as like an asthma med of course like primatine tablets and stuff like that they just go to walgreens i don't know whatever they do but uh ephedrine hydrochloride is more broad spectrum it's beta one beta two and beta three and um frankly in my opinion ever since they banned uh the ephedrine caffeine aspirin stack 
and some people might not even remember that now. I know all of us do, but uh, I think, frankly, a lot of those pre-workouts and everything, they've been looking for some kind of adequate replacement for that because it was so uh, effective. Now, it did have some cardiovascular side effects, like they were saying. When you have something really stimulating, those beta-1s on your heart, for example, you could have really rapid heart rate, skipped beats, high blood pressure. I mean, ephedrine is a presser drug. It's meant to drive up your blood pressure. And I'm not sure some of these 300-pound purple powerlifters need that, or bodybuilders, not to point fingers. But uh, anyway, yeah, so this new um, bladder drug, I guess, is a beta-3 agonist. I always look at those as a little bit more exotic in a way compared to the beta ones or the beta twos so it says we're certainly excited about the energy burning capacity these are the researchers but we're thinking about the more broad physiological basis of what brown fat may be able to do as well he said so like i said that's from live science.com but i know you guys have some news too uh phil you said something was going on locally um oh yeah well, yeah, we got. I was going to touch on something as far as you said drugs for other use. Another one that's come out um, is uh, Cialis. They're using it for vaso- vasodilation. If you <laughs> haven't heard about that, um, unlike Vi- like Viagra, it, it only it like aside from the erectile dysfunction uses, it only jacks with like the uh, the veins in your eyes for some reason. So mm-hmm. that's why some people go night blind. They found out Cialis actually works on muscle tissue. So skeletal muscle tissue. Well, so how about that? Now, now people are using that for performance-aiding effects um, and things like that. Oh, now I don't want to breach confidentiality, but you have someone in your gym, I think, who was using Cialis and kind of getting that as a beneficial side effect, didn't you? I don't. I think so, but I can't remember. I think it, I think it might have <laughs> been a female that you had mentioned a while ago. Anyway, yeah, yeah so that's – you know what? That's like – um extra potent pharmaceutical version of what the supplement companies are trying to do with all of their arginine products and stuff. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and I don't know, I've just heard a lot about that lately, like athletes starting to use it and stuff, but, um, so that was interesting, but no, the event here locally, um, we have a run that happens every winter. It's the Topeka to Auburn. So it's from one city to another. Um, and one of my coaches at the gym also runs a, um, like a pools and fireside thing. So they sell grills and things like that for people outdoors. And they're taking one of their big, huge commercial grills and setting it up about the halfway point on the run with a sign and they're cooking bacon and <laughs> they're handing away free bacon to anybody who's not running because running sucks. So <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. I was like, Oh yeah, go for it. It's then. insulting and, to the Yeah, well and they're <laughs> handing out what else they made uh donut donut necklaces. So they got like long strings and put donuts on them for anybody who crosses the finish line and crap like that. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty good. That's funny. So, so, that's all I got, man. Okay. John, you said you were you were just talking about something before we hit the record button. Yeah, uh, two things. And I just thought of another one. Um, the first one was I just um, attended the NSCA Coaches Conference in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, a little over a week ago, and it was a great conference. Um, got to see and hang out with uh, some, you know, pro powerlifters. Uh, our team, Elite FTS, was there. Um, but some really good coaches and really good talks. 
on uh, you know training and you know athlete uh, monitoring, and um, you know got to meet uh, Cal Dietz, which is the uh, sports performance coach at University of Minnesota. Uh, he's known for uh, triphasic training, so I got to talk to him for a few minutes. He's really into uh, East Central training a lot. Actually, he uses, he uses that for a lot of his off season, um, you know, guys, and uh, you know he'll load up, you know, one twenty five, one hundred thirty percent. And just use like on the eccentric only, um, and even sometimes on the on the concentric, and uh, they, they've had a lot of success with that. So um, I mean, I had some exhibitors there, and it was, it was a really good time. Uh, and uh, next year, if anybody's interested, the coaches conference is actually going to be in San Antonio uh, next year. So um, those in the in that area, um, look out because uh, it's going to be another really good conference. Another uh, bit of news that has been kind of circling this week is there's there's been this. Uh, CrossFit video, and I and I know we we've talked about this several times, and you know, and, and I'm not we're not going to pass you know serious judgment. Um, you know, there's certainly some really good CrossFit facilities out there, but there's a video of them in, in some type of event competition, you know, jumping hurdles, um, and uh, it was a kind of a weightless you know event, just body weight only, and you know the males um, were required to jump uh, from 42 inch hurdles all the way up to 56. Uh, inch hurdles and females were required to do a uh, jump from 32 inches to 46. Now, you know, those with superior jumping ability, you know, even 50 inches is, is rather impressive. Anything above that is just kind of freakish. But if you're not trained um, and certainly not, um, you know, highly trained and not being able to even know how to actually land in a jump, you know, you're talking serious, you know, type of injury. I mean, you could just see if you watch this video, you can just see everyone just kind of get thrown down on the ground and, you know, they're landing on their tailbones, tailbones they're landing on their backs. And, you know, aside from just obviously, you know, potentially injuring themselves, it's just injury waiting to happen. You know, you do have poorly thought out programs and, and, and events like this. And it is worth mentioning that, you know, this is the same competition that, uh, Kevin Ogar, you know, permanently injured himself, you know, last year. I mean, although those were entirely different circumstances, it had nothing to do with poorly thought out events. But it is worth mentioning because this is now two years straight of just bad press, you know, with these types of events, you know, in, in CrossFit. And like I said, I mean, there are some good CrossFit facilities out there. There are some good coaches, but you know, unfortunately, there's this, this bad press continues, you know, to happen. So, um, on the same note, I mean, that's you're hearing it a lot. I, I know a lot of people in the CrossFit industry, and you're hearing it a lot lately in that these throwdowns or whatever they call them. Right. There's a call for them to, like, back the hell off and throw real events. Because what, right. what's happened is, like, everybody's trying to do, outdo everybody else. You know, and it's like, how far can you take this before it's just totally stupid? And right. so within the community, there's been a call. It's like, you don't need to outdo the other person's event and make it four times as hard <laughs> because at some level it just gets stupid and dangerous. Yeah. So yeah, you're seeing a lot of that and I, hopefully it'll back down and I think we're starting to see it back down some, but yeah, I mean, it's like one of the classic ones I remember is they had teams pulling cars around like a track and they were all strapped to the, they were like roped to the car and there's four of them pulling and then one of the girls, you see her, she's starting to lose speed. You know, she's wearing out and uh, her rope ended up getting, tied up in the tire oh and everybody God. else keeps running and her rope wraps around the tire and boom, she just gets smashed into the freaking tire it's like oh come on guys you know so at some point yeah it's, it's got to back down and hopefully we'll see that soon um more and more but yeah it's it's just one of those things that happens i guess 
Yeah, you got to guide some of this intensity and aggression with some kind of gray matter, I guess. Well, yeah, just because, you know, box A did 57-inch box jumps at their competition doesn't mean you need to do 63. You know, it's like yeah. set a standard and just and just keep it at some point. So, Right. Hey, uh, before we go to break, I have one thing that I would be remiss if I didn't bring up. This is from an Iron Radio listener, and uh, I'm going to thank Sam uh, at the end of this. But he also sort of illustrates we have some um, really clever uh, listeners, you know, and they have a lot to offer. But uh, I thanked him for sending me a, actually a recipe that um, – you know, I'm very interested in anything that's going to use uh, curcumin, you know, in the recipe and some of these Indian herbs. Very, very healthy stuff. Very anti-inflammatory. They help with diabetes, you know, um, you know that sort of thing. Uh, you know, turmeric and all that sort of thing. But So he said, hey, no probs. Uh, it's the least I can do. You guys helped me smash through my 200-pound body weight goal. I peaked at 216. Then I cut down to 185 at 5'7", pretty lean. He said, my goal is to be uh, 10% at 200 pounds. So, you know, so at 5'7", mm-hmm. that's pretty kick-ass, actually. Yeah. Um, I rem- remember listening to your Mr. Puniverse episode, uh, <laughs> a.k.a. How to Stay Small. It was yeah. I was in hysterics at some of the things you stated, uh, basically because he used to do and believe these things, you know. I guess we learn as we go, uh, and you guys have taught me a lot. So here's a few more recipes. He says the barbecue wraps are epic, by the way, um, you know, that sort of thing. He even sent me an Excel spreadsheet on it, uh, calculates with a few assumptions caffeine levels in your blood. Very cool stuff. So he's a science guy. but uh, So thank you, Sam. Uh, I'm going to put a couple of his recipes. Maybe I'll feature them. They're just PDFs. Uh, on our Facebook page or maybe with the um, Podcast Box app because that allows me to insert a little bonus for people who get the app. I just want you guys to have, you know, uh, bonus tidbits here and there. So, um, yeah. I got one one more thing we should mention that we just put up this week, the uh, the camp we're doing. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> we should probably talk about that. So, um, you know, we just announced it and we've already got, I think, five people signed up. So it's basically, it says three days, but it's about two and a half days. So Friday evening, Saturday, Sunday, um, February 27th through March 1st. It'll be here at my facility in Topeka, Strength Guild. Um, people are going to come in, and you'll be able to work with myself, um, Darrell Barber, Neil Rose, my wife, um, Iron Radio sponsor athlete J.P. Price, and Dr. Lowry. So what we're going to do is you're going to come in. Friday night, we'll just meet up, have something to eat, and shoot the shit a little bit. Saturday, everybody comes in, and what we're going to do is you're going to – anybody who signs up is going to do two full meets. So you'll do a powerlifting meet and an Olympic lifting meet, and then following that, basically we're all going to judge it and take notes, and then from there we're going to work on what you need to work on to fix those lifts. So you'll come in and do three max attempts on, on all those lifts, and then we're all going to go through and, you know, here's where you messed up. This is what you need to do. Here's your assistance work you need to do. Here's what we need to do, your squat, bench, deadlift, all that, clean and jerk, snatch. Um, and then Dr. Lowry, I'm not sure what you're going to talk about. We'll talk about something very interesting, probably to do with caffeine. I could imagine. Yeah. The caffeine but. stuff is fun because I can bring samples of caffeinated stuff, you know, and then people can have fun sort of legally doping for your little event. How about that? <laughs> I don't know. We'll do something fun. Yeah. We'll do something fun. Lonnie will get you doped up for my event. And, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, Sunday it'll be more of the same. So we'll come in and work on whatever you need to work on. Um, you know, the coaches all involved are, you know, everything from, 
uh, Olympic weightlifting, powerlifting to, you know, what I coin as exercise racing, which is pretty much CrossFit. Um, you know, anything, anything you need to work on, we're there to, to help you out with it for pretty much three days. So, right. so um, small and exclusive is the key there. Not, it's not some huge, you know, classroom full of people. You know, it'll be a max of 10 people. So, um, you'll get a lot of hands-on training. I mean, it's going to be like two to one coaches to, to athletes. So you'll have plenty of hands-on work. Um, yeah, so it'll be a fun time. If you're interested in that, go to my website, strengthguild.com, and it should be the first thing that pops up. But it just says Strength Guild Lifters Corner, Lifters Corner Skill Refinement Camp. So um, you can sign up and come on out. So. Right. You know, it's the fun thing is sort of the culture. I mean, I've never given – I was given a talk last time. You remember we were, we were sipping yeah. rum, I think, yeah. or, or whiskey like, or something first, while we were doing the science. This is the first, we the first science. talk I've given while we were drinking, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a good time. Yeah, no yeah and it is true. Both. A lot of the gems come in the times like that, the hours that we just sit down and, and, and talk. Right on. And now we'll have a nice big facility to do that in. So That's right. Uh-huh. That's part part of the draw for me, brother. I want to yeah, come see it, so, you know. Yeah. yeah. Good times. So, all right. Well, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to talk about doses, uh, nutrients, uh, some drugs. We won't shy away from that. Supplements, uh, that sort of thing, and uh, that'll be in just about uh, two minutes after the break. Hi, this is Dr. Lowry with an update on the protein book that you hear about in the ad at the end of the show. Uh, If you simply Google CRC Press and protein, uh, there's a new development. On the right side of the page, you can see ebook, and there's a purchase slash rent option. And the cool thing here is if you check that out now, because they have an agreement with Vital Book, uh, you can actually download the ebook for $69 US dollars. So that's 31% off the $99.95 uh, cover price. So that's pretty fantastic. $69, I think that's going to drop it into the affordable range for a lot of people. And you can even rent it. Uh, lower down the page, they have 180-day rentals and one-year rentals. So you can access the book in electronic format and get some of this juicy information. So thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, You can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, It's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So – Uh, Whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Weekly Fix of Iron Radio. In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once per week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. 
So go for it. Okay, we're back from break. Uh, John Mike here with Lonnie Lowry, Phil Stevens. Uh, topic today is just dosing, selective dosing, drugs, that type of thing. And there's certainly a lot of talk about there. Yeah, supplements, right? Nutrients yep. uh, from the food supply directly. Um, a lot of medications, you know, that the the dose that's used for one thing might be different from the dose you use for something else. You know, we were just talking about off-label use of things uh, in the news, but like ibuprofen. So let me start with this one because I know a lot of people, like they follow the label and they take two ibuprofen. Now, Phil, I know you're a big man, but what's, what dose do you take? And do you just follow the label or what? I take four. Okay. I'll take 800 milligrams, which is basically a therapeutic dose that you're going to get if you go to uh, the hospital for something you know, to fight inflammation. So, I mean, I know guys that do a thousand and stuff like that, but I mean, it's, that seems to work for me. It makes, you know, I don't hurt as bad. So, right. Yeah. And, but it's another one of those deals. One thing that I, I made sure I, I think I messed up a little bit in the past and took it too often. The biggest thing I've read with ibuprofen is not, it's not the single dose. It's the habitual use that really does, you know, you start talking about ulcers and things like right. that. Right, yes. So it's that you're not, it's taking 800 milligrams four or five times a day every day is where things go problem. It's not that one dose. Um, that's right. It's going to do something. So for yeah. me, that's usually twice a week, <laughs> heavy squat day, heavy deadlift day. Yeah, then you give your um, stomach a rest for a so, day or two. You know, five days a week, I don't take a thing. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's an important point, too, is, yeah, you, you go to someone who's a, uh, an athletic trainer, physical therapist, whoever it is, or a physician, they're going to understand that the anti-inflammatory dose is probably around the 800 milligram mark. Yeah. You know, yeah. so you got to take quite a few of those babies. And again, why why would you do that? It's because, well, you could you could tone down the pain with those mm -hmm. just two of the 200 milligram, you know, pills. But mm -hmm. you'd like to do something therapeutic. That's yes. how I think about it. You know, so. yeah, exactly. Even with my athletes and stuff, if they're if they're have some inflammation going on in pain it's that's what i push them towards i push them towards one single dose and then don't take any you know right. let's knock it out and get off of it you know i don't want you living on pills so yeah. and you know this you know, Lonnie, up, think, if, you know this Lonnie. i think a lot of the dosing whether it's with supplements you know even like with food or types of drugs a lot of them are based on certain pounds or kg of body weight right right so you know you take one or two i mean pharmaceutical doses they're, they're they're based off you know uh, the 180 pound you know male or 154 pound you know female so you know if, if you take you know one or two pills i mean that might work for them but like for guys that that for 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 us you know 280 290 300 pounds i mean you got to take more you know yeah in fact i was just gonna say that um the relative dose versus the absolute dose you know like yeah. why do they say just take two aspirin you know um, because sometimes the absolute dose is appropriate for nearly everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it does break down because caffeine research is like that, too. So let's just talk about that for a minute. So a lot of the research you see is so many milligrams of caffeine per kilogram of your body weight. You know, so you'll see doses that, you know, the performance enhancing range is usually around five milligrams per kg. Some books will say six. Some say as little as three. So let's say three to six milligrams per kg. But in some ways, um, you know, from a, a practicality standpoint, people don't dose that. They don't say, let's see, I weigh 280. That's how many 
milliliters of fluid. You know what I mean? They just basically you know, drink their large, you know, cup of coffee from Starbucks or whatever. Uh, so there are sometimes sort of a standard dose. Like people don't usually dose aspirin per kg, you know. And so it does beg the question is caffeine that way? Yeah, you can think about it that way per kg. It makes it relative to you personally. But um, let's face it, uh, you know, you, anybody's going to take uh, two Viverin, let's say, and they're going to they're going to feel that, you know, there's there's sometimes are sort of fixed gross standard doses, too. Mm-hmm. But it's a good point for some of our the big guys that listen to the show is, you know, relative to your body weight. Yeah. Is that still the appropriate dose? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's almost it's almost that it's almost the, the relative versus absolute. It's almost the same um, thing with you know anabolics. You know, you give somebody you know two hundred fifty milligrams, and they're you know say fifty years old, fifty five. Well, you know that may be a lot to them. They could actually maybe like feel it. You give that same dose to someone who's sturdy, they're just wasting their time. <laughs> yeah, and you know Phil and I were just talking about anabolics uh, during the break a little bit, but. Mm-hmm. Um, as I look through, like, the physician's desk reference or some of these drug information guides, like the AHFS drug information guide and that sort of thing, the doses, the therapeutic doses, um, weekly, you know, daily, weekly, or even per dose, they're almost comically small compared to what a lot of strength athletes would do. But Phil and I, Phil had a really good point. He's like, you know, people, they read stuff online, what the pros do, and if they gain access to something and they make the choice to use, uh, they just jump into like three grams, you know, 3,000 milligrams of a week, you know, per week. And, you know, just to give you an, an example, as I flip through the pages here, you know, a lot of these oral preps, five, 10 milligrams per tablet, you know, a lot of the oil-based injectables, like the things that people would create a base out of, like testosterone and nanthate or propionate, that sort of thing. You know, these are 50, 100, 200 milligrams, you know, per dose. And mm-hmm. so uh, the point I think Phil was making is, and, and then I was obviously agreeing with, was why don't people just take, if they're going to jump into this stuff, they're going to make the decision, why don't they try the therapeutic dose or maybe just, you know, a little over, maybe double. Instead, they just jump into like 10 times the therapeutic dose. <laughs> <laughs> like because because it's eat because they want to get because they want to get jacked in six weeks. Yeah, yeah. I think fi- sometimes finances are the only thing that keeps people from just going whole hog, you know, yeah. on, or access, it's, you know. But the crazy thing is, though, I mean, we've all been around this and in this industry a lot, and and part of being in this industry, I don't care what anybody says, is performance enhancing drug use. If you're working with athletes and everything else, and I mean, I know of I've seen it firsthand where. I've seen one guy taking the same thing as another guy, and one guy just blows up. Yeah, that's a good and point. That's, it's like, why yeah. don't – why? I don't care who you are. Find the minimum effective dose. Why take five grams when you can get jacked on one? Right, less is you more. Know? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, man, try 500 before 3,000. You know, Phil, that's it's funny, and I probably have told this story before on the show, but – uh, there was a guy locally here, and my brother and I at the gym that we were training at, um, he was well-known, you know, in the given circles, of course, to be using all kinds of stuff, you know, way well over a gram. And, you know, at the time, that was even unheard of. I know guys are using three grams of, you know, different kinds of testosterone esters just as the base now. And, again, grams, 
I've often said this, but you measure protein in grams. You know, I mean, from uh, from my academic perspective, yeah. these meds are milligram doses, yeah. not grams. Yeah. But so he's way over a gram with the base of tea, and he's using all these you know adjunct things. And I mean, he just looked like hell. I, he looked like he was barely on anything. And I remember my brother turned. He said, "Poor bastard's got no receptors." Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and it's but that's to your point, right? Some people. Yeah. I mean, this guy. Maybe this is just not the sport for you because you're on yeah. all kind. Now, granted, maybe some of it was fake. That's always the problem, you know, but uh, I'm sure it wasn't all, you know, because he's exhibiting yeah. side effects, but like no muscle growth. It's yeah. just not good. Well, and I'm almost wondering that for like long term. I mean, you, you see a lot of guys that just get on a bunch of stuff and you would think maybe if you're on that much in a short period of time, you know, three, four, five years or even long term. I mean, I would assume you do get down regulation of your receptors. I mean, there's just, there, there has to be no question about that. Well, yeah, the, the guys just don't cycle. You know, I hate to sound like an old yeah. part, but back in the day, you know, 80s, even the 90s, you'd see a lot of regional level competitors and they would cycle on and off. They would take four weeks off in between a 12 week, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes they would escalate it. You know, they were, they, they'd have all they try to have fun i think with all these like you know do i like pyramid up and then back down do i just jump on and then jump off you know and what's the off period and you know they would honestly they were pretty sophisticated they look at the half life you know some things linger much longer than others mm-hmm. you know and the off period has to change you know then you start getting up to the more national level and their off cycles are actually they're still taking like an ampule of sustenon or something like 250 yeah. milligrams of test esters off that they're off cycle and i can throw out some names that li- mm-hmm. a lot of listeners would recognize that mm-hmm. have told that to rob and i for example oh i'm off i'm only on you know two ampules of, of sustenance I'm like, that's 500 milligrams a week my i would have cheeks like a chipmunk and weigh 260 if i did that you know <laughs> and that's your off cycle uh, yeah. anyway you know in fact there was an interview once uh, it might have been one of those documentaries they were talking to a, a female uh, bodybuilder and she said i'm totally off totally clean because i'm not preparing for anything uh and then as they continued to talk to her she said i'm only taking 25 milligrams of winstrol tabs you know worth of winstrol tabs a day and totally clean and i that's to me that's i don't know that's mutually <laughs> exclusive what yeah <laughs> you're not totally off you're taking you know winstrol tabs I don't know. But to her, that was completely off. She felt completely natural. I don't know. So you can only imagine. I think sometimes because of the growth factors, the insulin, the IGF-1, and and, and the GH and everything else, you know what I mean? When they pull those out, they feel like they're off. Yeah. Yeah. And to them, they are, you know, that because it's just so little compared to the the usual cocktail. It's it's all in the crowd you run in, man. I'm telling you. It's just like, you know. When I go ask somebody at a high school what strong is, or I go to freaking elite fitness and ask them what strong is, you know, you got two totally different answers. Oh, right. You know, it all, it's all context. Yeah, so, all yeah. relative. <sighs> yeah. Well, let's talk about creatine real quick. I have a lot of students ask me about creatine. Creatine, if people aren't familiar, and I don't know how you couldn't be, because since the early 90s, in fact, back in the early days, the early 90s at Kent State, we were doing some of the first work with this stuff. Um, or well, early work. I mean, we didn't bring it, you know, to anybody's attention really. But um, there's two ways to dose it, right? So one is over a four or five day period, you're just taking like twenty or thirty grams a day. So you're taking like a five gram tablespoon repeatedly throughout the day. And a lot of young guys like to do that because they they blow up. You know, it it draws a lot of fluid into your muscle tissue, almost like when people carbohydrate load. You know, your muscles store it. 
the water follows, and they actually like that roundness and fullness. Some guys are really not wanting that as much, or maybe they've already loaded creatine before, and they don't get quite the pump, you know, that they once did when they first started using it, and they'll just take like a tablespoon, about five-gram tablespoon, after training every day, and then the research says, of course, and John, you can correct me on any of this, but that basically you get about the same concentrations in muscle tissue over the course of a month just doing the yes. one one you know tablespoon a day kind of thing. Yeah, then, you then you don't, don't just you swell don't need, up, you know. Exactly. Yeah. You don't really need to do the five to seven grams a day for five, you know, days straight for, you know, however long. I mean you could just take, you know, five grams a day over a course of a month and you'll still get the same type of response. But you know, creatine with caffeine is is, is almost identical in that you do have, you know, no responders, low responders, and high responders. And that's just going to be dictated on, you know, genetics and fiber types and, you know, composition and, and what your training is like. So to say, well, yeah, just take creatine, you know, we'll wonder if they don't respond to it. It's the same thing with caffeine. You know, some people just don't respond to it. Um, so you just have to keep those things in, into consideration. Right. I know that they're narrowing down uh, specific genes that some people carry or don't in effects grossly affects how they respond to caffeine you know so yeah. that's traditional i think i've heard more of this in bodybuilding than in powerlifting circles in my life at least but you always hear oh so and so has good genes well genes for what you know in this case yeah some people have the gene to respond to a nutrient and some just don't just like what we're saying like with the with the gas you know with the androgens mm-hmm. so um now you know we were talking about dosing per kg but when you look at the literature for example Somewhere around a three gram dose of leucine uh, seems to be the optimal dose exactly. in a meal, right? So yeah, I just uh, I just I just wrote an article on uh, bodybuilding.com about leucine. It came out um, like right before Christmas, actually. And you know, there, there, there's there's like what's called the leucine threshold, which is about five grams. So you know, if you take any more than that, you're not going to really increase protein synthesis really that much more. Mm-hmm. But you can have some supplemental strategies that you can actually use to, to maximize the benefits of losing. Now, now, obviously, you're not going to do all of these at one time, but some strategies are, you know, you, you can consume 2.5 grams of leucine or 5 grams or total BCAs within 30 minutes of training, okay, to help support that anabolic stimulus. Mm-hmm. You can combine another 5 grams of leucine or, or 10 grams of BCAs post-workout, okay, like in your, in your shake, if you like, uh, or, or consume 5 grams of leucine before sleep to help facilitate recovery and training. Um, now, there's, there's been some studies um, last year that came out. Um, you can add leucine to a beverage um, or compensate it with increased leucine and whey protein, and that's actually really effective for stimulating protein synthesis. Um, or you can combine leucine between meals. Um, it's also really encouraged for um, accelerated recovery and protein synthesis. Um, now, what's interesting is, that those that are dieting or, or want to in, or maintain lean muscle mass should probably want to add some type of leucine supplement, you know, to their regimen. Um, it can kind of, you know, reduce catabolic, you know, effects and, you know, help prevent, you know, muscle protein, you know, breakdown. But, but even just like two to three grams of leucine really should do the trick. Yeah. You know, two things. One, um, listeners, I would look at the dose, like something like whey protein. If you're taking right. two scoops away, don't add any leucine to that. That's already yeah, got that requisite dose. You know, if you look at how many, you know, there's probably like two or three grams of leucine in each scoop, sometimes mm-hmm. more, a little bit more. So you wouldn't be adding more. Um, but, John, let me ask you this. The other point was um, 
I've seen occasional studies in animals and people that branch chains or leucine, which is, of course, listeners, one of the branch chains, um, one of the three, actually helps with leanness. And it's not just muscle preservation. And the researchers were trying to figure out why that might be. Are you familiar with any of that stuff? Um, I've seen some of that, but most of it is is on, you know, increasing protein synthesis Mm -hmm. and decreasing you know, break down or adding it to your beverage or whatever. Um, but I, I've come across some of that, but I don't really know, you know, the, the legitimacy of that, just staying lean because, I mean, that's, you know, that could be kind of arbitrary in and of itself as well. <laughs> right. To me, it's always about preserving the muscle mass. But more than once I've seen this, and I'm wondering if that's going to come out. So maybe listeners just keep your, you know, ear to the road, so to speak, as far as what's coming down the pike, because you never know. I mean, it's one of those like accidental or side effect things we were talking about where it's not the main reason you're using it, but wouldn't it be interesting that, you know, all these bodybuilders using leucine to preserve their muscles and they're they're not even realizing it's actually helping with the fat loss part of it too, Mm -hmm. you know? And again, I'm, I don't know, like I said, but that's one of those things that's cropped up more than once. And when I'm looking at the, you know, the scientific literature and I'm like, Hmm, anyway, Phil, I got a question for you then from a nutrient perspective. What about just carbs? So I think you're in agreement with me. I think we're all pretty much in agreement that if your protein and fat intake is relatively fixed, I mean, it's go up and down some, sure, but Mm -hmm. carbs, as they come and go, it really helps people gain or lose. Yes. So in a practical way, What's the dose of carbs? I mean, uh, if someone asks you, how much more carbohydrate do I need? I want to be in a gain phase. Is it 50 grams? Is it 100 grams? Would you do it and dose it in some other way? Jeez, it depends on what they're looking to gain. Um, You know, I mean, I I guess I would say anybody who's looking to gain at least, if you're not adding 500 calories, you're not adding much. Yeah, you know, so I mean, 125 grams extra, you know, of of carbohydrates, I guess, mm-hmm. would be a good a, a good starting dose. I mean, it just depends on on what they're looking to do. I mean, like for somebody like me right now who has a hard time putting on weight, it's just whatever I can fit in my mouth. So I don't measure with anything at all. It's right, you know, I'm 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 in the war on carbs phase, <laughs> but it's the opposite war on carbs that like Mark Bell is doing. He is staying away from them. I am trying to find them. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking everything he's turning down. Right. Um, so yeah, I think Phil, I think Phil's right. I mean, it just kind of depends on where you are in your training. I mean, if you're dieting, if you just got back from a show, I mean, you know, you don't want to just go to the buffet, you know, the yeah. day after because you're going to have you know metabolic damage. So in, in those particular circumstances, I mean, you can add in, you know anywhere from 25 to 50 grams, you know, a day or even like over a course of like a week. So 50 grams, you know, every, you know, four or five days. And, you know, that may not seem like a lot, but it it adds up, you know, over time in just a short period of time. So, you know, you're adding carbs back in, especially coming off of the show if you're really lean, you know, that way you can get back to, you know, homeostasis, you know, in, in a relative types of sense, um, and, and you're not creating any type of, you know, metabolic havoc, you know, on your systems. Right. So, listeners, let me just clarify there. So, when John's saying 50 grams a day, he means on top of what you were doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, if you will yeah. yourself down, yeah, late in a diet, in a, like a, a true competition diet, the last month is just stupid, so I won't even talk about that. Maybe one day we will, but 
um, let's say, you know, you're eight weeks out or something, your carb intake is pretty low, yeah. you know. So at that point, let's say you're eating, and people are different, right? Some people cut carbs. Some people, they cut carbs. They waste all their muscles away. But let's say you're down to like 200 carbs a day. Yeah, then as you start to refeed, maybe for the next week you, you do 250 grams of carbs a day. Then the week after that, you're up to 300 carbs a day. That's right. only a 200-calorie in, increment. Mm-hmm. So Phil's, you know, as Phil kind of converts that into calories as a way to think about that, that's a good way to do that, actually. Um, but keeping in mind that you could add calories just as fats as well. But carbohydrates, obviously, they stimulate insulin. And in the clinical literature, there's a ton of information about our fats or carbs more protein sparing. And carbs are really protein sparing. The problem is if you want to get your fat off of you, you know, you, you got to pull those babies out, you know, because well, they're... That's- you know, everybody, it, 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 you, you have to have a distinction. Like somebody coming off of a dieting phase, adding 200 calories is a big deal. You know, to somebody that was on a maintenance phase, adding 200 calories, they're probably just going to ramp, they, their metabolism is going to ramp up and just take care of that. Adjust, yeah. You know? Yeah. So you need to, you know, if you're on a maintenance phase and looking to gain, you need to attack. You know, you need to add at least 500, I'd say. Yeah, you know, yeah it, goes if you were... episode, it goes back to that episode we did like a month or so ago, Lonnie, about you know big eats. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, oh, no doubt. Whereas, whereas if you've just come off a phase where you're like, I got, I got three girls and a guy that are are getting ready for shows, and it's you know if I add five hundred to them for a week or two, they're gonna blow back up. You know? Oh, sure. If I give them an extra one hundred and twenty five grams of carbs, it's gonna make a noticeable difference in two weeks. Right. You know? So yeah, we got to be careful on where you're at and what you're trying to do. Right per kg, because obviously this 200. Because let's say you know, like, listen, I'm going to break through barriers. I don't know. I'm just going to eat as much as I can fit my mouth. You might be getting two or three hundred grams more carbs a day than you were before. You know, now you're like a 1,200 calorie jump, and for a for a grown man, that's that might be what you need, frankly, to shock yourself. And you know, none of this minutia. You know, for a woman. Those numbers are going to maybe be cut in half or two thirds, you know that kind of. Thing. <clears throat> I mean, you look at a guy like me. I mean, if I a, a freaking pack of nutty bars is like four hundred calories. If I add five hundred calories a day extra, you're not going to notice a thing yeah. in a month, you know? Right? Yeah. So, yeah. But that can be scary. I mean, we've had listeners write in and be like, you know, I had to force through, force myself to do this. You know what I mean? Because they're afraid, especially I think they come from a bodybuilding background. They're just afraid of mm-hmm. that, you know, that it's going to become body fat. But I think as long as you try to keep it, you know, higher quality uh, food yeah. sources, you know, your fats come from olive oil and avocados, like we're talking about. Your carbs are from, you know, it's not just sugar, frankly. Yeah. You know, if it's the kind of thing that if it's potatoes and yams and rice and mm-hmm. you know, and even pasta and you know, there's different qualities to each of these carbs and you know and fats and stuff but let me touch on fats real quick um if you cut your fats too far i mean i have multiple studies that if you aggressively eat a low fat high fiber diet you're only getting like 30 grams a day of fat all day long you know and you're eating maybe 30 or 40 grams of fiber a day because you're dieting that will actually drop your testosterone levels about 15 percent or so so a lot of the advice you hear from health authorities that might be good for heart disease risk in their opinion, and even that's probably changing. But mm-hmm. for somebody who needs every you know drop of testosterone, maybe you don't want to do the real low-fat thing. In fact, um, as you kind of comb through this literature and you translate it to strength athletes, it might be around 80 to 100 grams a day 
if you really want to keep the calories coming, you know, and keep your testosterone levels up and all that sort of thing. Uh, but the point I wanted to make with dosing is if most of your calories are coming from like monounsaturated fats, you know, olive oil, uh, mixed nuts and peanut butter, uh, avocados and all that sort of stuff, that's for the calories. But some of these fatty acids, they are nutraceuticals. And so even just uh, several hundred milligrams, not grams, can be enough to make a difference. Like the average person only gets a couple hundred milligrams of something like, you know, omega-3s. Mm-hmm. So if all of a sudden you're taking uh, a combined two or 3,000 milligrams, right, two to three grams of EPA and DHA, um, two or three grams doesn't seem like jack, you know, when it comes to your actual food intake, mm-hmm. but you're dosing it for more like the nutraceutical effect, mm-hmm. you know, um, so anyway, I just wanted to drop that in there about fat, too, because a lot of people, I think, get confused about uh, fats as fuel, right, versus fats yeah. as a nutraceutical. But it's also true that fats have this sort of dose-response curve where more has more of an effect. You know, yeah. it's I've seen actual studies up to 18 grams of fish oils a day. So that's 18,000 wow. milligrams. And, you know, oh, that's just a fish oil, but let's pretend that's probably... I don't know, 9,000 milligrams worth of EPA and DHA. That's crazy high. But I have had some physicians that I know in the area say, you can't pussyfoot around either. If you take a single regular strength fish oil, don't expect anything out of that. You know what I mean? You have to get kind of serious. What I personally do is I'll take take three or four uh, triple strength fish oils whenever I think about it, you know. Yeah, so... Because mm-hmm. that's the active ingredient, right? The EPA and DHA, that's what you want out of that. The rest of the stuff just sort of, you know, other fatty acids that aren't really what you're taking it for, you know. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that's just a handful of things. But we did cover, what we cover uh, ibuprofen, leucine, caffeine, carbs, uh, protein, some fat, uh, drugs. You know, we touched on androgens a little. Um, I know there's been some stuff on some of the websites recently. Uh, like T Nation had something from some anonymous pro about what the pros take. Um, and I'm not casting any doubt one way or the other, but when you do see that, be careful because, you know, you want to know if this is all anonymous and not just from their website, but any website, you do think, you know, how much of this is speculation? Is this ghostwriter? You know, mm-hmm. is he is he really that pro? You know, because I, I mean, I watched Rob for 20 years write stuff on behalf of other people. That was his job, you know, and, and was okay with the athlete in question. But, you know, sometimes journalists have to fill in a lot of gaps, yeah. you know. So, anyway. All right. All right, guys. Until next time. All right. Thanks, everybody. Hey, listeners. Have you seen the store at ironradio.org? There are three halls in the store, one for Phil, one for Fortress, and one for myself, Dr. Lowry, and they're thematic. So you can go into our Halls of Iron store and choose based on your goal. If you need something to learn or read or something nutritional, you can look in my store, uh, Lonnie's store. If you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition, then take a look at Phil's Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. 
There are some fun, heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. We try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each haul of iron are actually based on our own recommendations. Protein powders that we know to be good. Uh, knee sleeves, wraps of some kind, things that Fortress uses in his own training. Uh, the stuff you, you see, you know is good. This way you don't waste time. So check out the Iron Radio store at ironradio.org and um, let us know what you think on the forums and certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in. So thanks for listening. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.